The queen bank is an elegant solution that's so characteristic of beekeeping and beekeepers. What makes it elegant? It's a simple little solution to a complicated problem, and beekeepers do that all the time. That's part of being a beekeeper. Hello and welcome to Notes from the Bee Yard. You're listening to episode 34, Queens in the Bank. I love this episode because it's about the art of beekeeping. It's about how beekeepers manage resources by balancing skill, experience, and judgment against luck. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode 34, Queens in the Bank, written by Tom Theobald in 1991 and read by Tom in 2021. Two days of wet spring snow was a welcome change, and for the time being at least has broken a very dry spring. It also gave me two days when I could stay inside and finish up my income taxes. On the first day of the storm, I reached my income tax saturation point by 1.30 in the afternoon and headed west to look for bluebirds. I felt as if I were traveling up the river Styx as I made my way toward the foothills. Ground fog from snow melting on warm asphalt floated eerily a few inches above the road, and the land was white under a low canopy of gray. I found a scattered flock of about 200 bluebirds west of Table Mountain, in the company of thousands of migrating robins. They were all energetically working the prairie for morsels, and the catch of the day seemed to be earthworms. I was surprised to see the bluebirds, as I hadn't expected to find any this late in the spring. The moisture wasn't enough to bring up the water table or charge any deep aquifers, but it was enough to saturate the top few inches of soil, and it will ease us forward another two or three weeks before we have to worry again. For agriculture this spring, moisture is money in the bank, and this is particularly true for beekeeping, where all of the spring bloom is dependent on natural moisture rather than irrigation. Most of the spring flowers, the dandelions in particular, are surface feeders, and the soil moisture from this storm should bring on a good dandelion bloom. With the bank account in better order, I can relax a bit and let my attention turn to a bank of a different kind, a queen bank. I practice a form of beekeeping called double queening, in which a second queen is established in each colony. My first and largest order of queens should arrive on the 17th of April, and that will usher in a period of several weeks of intense activity. This is the beekeeping equivalent of calving or lambing time, when weekend is a meaningless concept and the days are defined not by the clock, but by the weather and my endurance. Ideally, all of the queens should be put in the colonies at the same time, or at least over the shortest period possible. 
As a practical matter, it can't be done. Since I work alone, I can only go through so many colonies each day and set them up for a second queen. Throw in a bad weather day here and there, and the double queening begins stretching the time longer and longer. Each queen comes in a small shipping cage along with a few workers called attendants. The queen can't feed herself from a plug of soft sugar candy in one end of the cage, but her attendants can feed her through the screen. The queens can be kept in these cages for a limited number of days if they are kept in a warm, dark spot, the top of the water heater in my case, and watered morning and evening. In the early years, I staged the shipments from the southern queen breeders based on what I thought I could get done. So I would work my way through the queens from the first shipment and have them all in before the next shipment arrived. This approach worked fairly well, but there were some drawbacks. Sometimes things went better than I expected. I had all the queens in before the next shipment arrived, and precious sunny days went by while I waited for the next batch to come. More often, things didn't go as well as expected, and the queens began to back up on top of the water heater. Then, what Barbara and I jokingly referred to as queen weather, rain or snow, would settle in and put me even further behind. I began to worry about any queens which had been in the house for over 10 days, and there were some years when this extended confinement affected the productivity of the queens once they finally got into the hives. And then I started banking. To set up a two-queen colony, I put the old queen, along with half the brood and bees, in the bottom two stories, hive bodies, with their entrance to the front. On top of these two stories, I placed a solid divider, then the third story with the rest of the bees and brood, but without a queen. This top story has an auger hole entrance to the rear. In effect, I have created a new colony in this third story. Within hours, they will recognize that they are queenless. Within days, they will see themselves as separate from their former sisters down below. If I come back a day or two after they have been divided and give them a new queen in a cage, they will release her by chewing through the candy plug and accept her as their own. Later, I will organize things so the workers from the two halves are reintroduced to each other and begin to work together. But the queens will remain separated. This is a two-queen colony. I can use this same approach to create what is called a queen bank and solve my problem of keeping queens on hand and healthy. The queen bank colony is divided as I've described, except the top story gets more combs of young brood and lots of nurse bees, the young bees which feed the brood. In the center of this top story, between the two frames of brood, I place a frame which looks a little like a spice rack. 
This frame can hold up to 40 queens in their respective cages. The bees will feed and care for all these queens, and the large population of nurse bees passing back and forth between the brood combs assures that they will be well attended to. Then, I simply go out each morning and pull the queens I need for the colonies I split the day before. The last queen is saved for the bank, and when she is finally released, the queen bank becomes a two-queen colony like the rest. Nifty little system, isn't it? Beekeeping is full of them. Now when I get behind on the queens and the weather turns to rain or snow, I don't have to worry about queens sitting on top of the water heater. I can stoke up the fire, pull out a good book, enjoy the spring storm and moisture it provides because the queens are in the bank. Tom, what does this bring to mind? It's, it brings to mind all the little techniques that are available to beekeepers, and this is a perfect example. Not many beekeepers would have the same problem with having to install large number of queens over a limited period of time. And you can only keep them on top of the water heater for just so long, and the queen bank solved that problem beautifully. And commercial beekeepers would maintain a queen bank as a matter of course, even though they don't double queen. They would keep queens on hand and well cared for in the event that they needed them for any of a number of reasons. So the queen bank is a technique that I probably should talk to the beekeepers of today about because they're all having a lot of queen problems. They're losing queens, they're maintaining nucleus colonies so that they'll have queens on hand. They really need to, uh, I think, start utilizing the concept of the queen bank. Mm -hmm. The theme that I connect with a lot here in this episode is you have three different analogies. You have your financial bank account, and then there's the water, and then there's the queens. And so there's this idea of trying to manage resources I feel like this is central to human existence, this work of managing the available resources that you have around you so that you have what you need when you need it. Boy, I don't know. That's a pretty, pretty complicated concept. I don't know that I gave that level of thought to it when I was writing. So there's this beautiful, these beautiful ideas of the bank account, the aquifer level, um, having enough. There's this idea of having enough that I find very interesting, and then the work that goes into that. I'm really at the mercy of Mother Nature when it comes to the available moisture. And I hope for the best, and usually I'll get the moisture that I need when I need it. 
but I don't really have any control over that. Mm-hmm. The Queen Bank is a different concept in that I do have control. I can use the Queen Bank as a resource that I tap as I need it. In my case, I maintained the Queen Bank so that I could sustain the two queen system. But for a large commercial beekeeper, that Queen Bank is just a resource. They may have a thousand colonies of bees in multiple bee yards. And when they come upon a hive that has a queen that's failing or has failed, they can go to the Queen Bank and they can pull out whatever queens they need and they can put a new queen into that colony, and then that colony is back on course. So there's another uh, line in here where you talk about ideally all the queens should be put in the colonies all at the same time, but as a practical matter, it cannot be done. Um, You want to talk a little bit about what it feels like to be juggling more than you're able to do. Well, when I was keeping the queens alive on the top of the water heater, I became very stressed when I began to fall behind and the queens weren't going into the colonies at the rate that they should. I heaved a huge sigh of relief when I stumbled upon the concept of banking and it resolved that problem for me and I could breathe easy. Mm Well, I had a significant financial investment in these queens. I don't remember what I was paying the southern queen breeders. It probably would seem like not that much by today's prices, but I was probably paying $30 a queen and times 90 queens. That was a significant investment that I had at stake, and I didn't want any of those queens to fail because I didn't get them into the colonies as quickly as they should be. And the queen bank gave me breathing room. Mm -hmm. They were perfectly well cared for in the queen bank. They weren't going to suffer from the period of time before they got into the colony that they were going to reside in. And that investment, that financial investment, was secured by the use of the Queen Bank. So it sounds like you had a problem and then you solved it. Exactly. And in an elegant way. The Queen Bank is an elegant solution that's so characteristic of beekeeping and beekeepers. What makes it elegant? It's a simple little solution to a complicated problem, and beekeepers do that all the time. That's part of being a beekeeper. It's not like following a book. It's not the Betty Crocker approach to beekeeping. Mm -hmm. You have to be very innovative as a beekeeper and adapt solutions to problems that you face as they appear. So I'm hearing um, that there's innovation and then sensitivity, care, creativity. Yeah, if you're a beekeeper with a fairly large number of colonies, you are the bee master. You are responsible for solving the problems that the bees can't solve themselves. And you have to use your 
understanding of the dynamics of a colony of bees or multiple colonies of bees to solve the problems that they face, some of which are of your own creation. And then another piece that I noticed that you do in a lot of your writing, so you're talking about queen season for beekeeping being equivalent to calving or lambing time, and so it's kind of like you're shouting out to other people in the ag community, trying to make a connection between beekeeping and the rest of agriculture. Exactly, and I think that's what I was trying to do, was trying to compare beekeeping, which is a mystery to most of the people who would be reading my column, the farmers and the ranchers, to compare the requeening portion of beekeeping with their objective of producing calves and lambs to keep their operations going. That's the role that the queens filled in the beekeeping world. Do you feel like you were successful in making connections between beekeeping and other endeavors? Yes, I do. I I think that's one of the... uh, the successes of what I did for 27 years. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Bee Yard. We'll be back in two weeks with episode 35 on Friday, July 1st at noon. In the meantime, hop on over to notesfromthebeeyard.buzz and subscribe.